Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Numbers chapter 18. And here in Numbers 18, we start off with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Aaron, Now remember last week thou Aaron's rod was chosen. Aaron, Aaron is chosen. Remember in, in uh, chapter 17, verse 5, It shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom, and it happened with Aaron's rod. And so he says, The Lord said to Aaron, this is in verse 1 now, chapter 18, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. It's very interesting what we see start to happen here because you see more responsibility is given to the priesthood. And not just responsibility, but an accountability. And not just an accountability, but they're responsible. I mean, I say responsibility. Of course, they have the responsibility of the task of the the tabernacle. Uh, but responsible in terms of uh, now they're bearing the iniquity. In verse 1, bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. These are heavy, heavy responsibilities. And what I love so much about these passages that we see in that, that progress in the course of time. When I say progress, I just mean, you know, progress. I don't mean anything liberal like progressive type, you know, how they interpret progress. But just in this progression of time, you see that with maturity comes added responsibility. Just like we see in 1 Corinthians, in our study through the Corinthians on Sundays. When you have these, uh, uh, when you have growth, you know, there's the state of being a baby, which happened in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. And, you know, chapter 5, it starts to get pretty heavy. Chapter 6, heavy. Chapter 7, heavy. But then at the same time, it's like, wait a second. Well, with growth comes, you know, added responsibility. I mean, like, like I don't know how it is in schools now, but some in the olden days, they used to have hall monitors, you know. You don't have, like, a, a preschooler as a hall monitor. And, you know, you know, they wear the vest. It's kind of like an official role. You just make sure nobody's running. Everything's nice and safe. But it's kind of old school. I don't know if modern day schools do it, but it's kind of old school. But you have a hall monitor. You know, that might be like a fifth grader or sixth grader or something like that. In, in their perspective schools, it doesn't happen in junior high. You get beat up in junior high. <laughs> like in elementary school, like a fifth grader, sixth grader. You know, But you don't have a preschooler doing it because it's like, wait a second. If the preschooler tries to be a hall monitor, the older kids are going to beat them up. You know, but... As that child grows, there's added responsibilities. And then you get into junior high, there's more responsibilities. I mean, there's academically speaking. But even just look at like child rearing. You don't have the chores you have for a, a, a three-year-old are going to be way different than that when that child is 10 years old. Or when that child is 15 years old. There's going to be added responsibilities. And that's exactly what you see in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament, both Jew and Gentiles who are grafted in. That's what you see. You, these added responsibilities are heavy. Now, turn with, I know we're here in verse 1 of chapter 18, Numbers, but turn with me really quick to Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3. 
And we're going to look at these responsibilities, the responsibilities that the Lord has unto prophets, the prophet Ezekiel specifically. And here in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17, Son of man, I have made you a watchman. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel, he says. This is no small thing. You remember in the Old Testament when we would study in Exodus and Numbers, Leviticus, how you know it was said, is it a small thing? Is it a small thing that the Lord has chosen you? Is it a small thing that the Lord has done this? Is it a small thing? Because that's what happens. You know, even as Christians, we kind of forget. We tend to forget. Is it a small thing what the Lord has done? Is it a small thing that we are purchased? Is it a small thing that we are not our own? No, it's not. But we forget. I mean, we just kind of get into the um, uh, minutia of everyday life. But that's what's so beautiful about a steady diet in the Word of God. Because we have all these passages which remind us. And we be a people that never forget these things. And so we see here that the Lord has made Ezekiel a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. This is Ezekiel now. This is his task. You know, Ezekiel, you're going to warn Israel. And it's not you just warning them because you want to be a nice guy. It's not you warning them because you want to be you know, a uh, uh, confrontational. This is from the Lord, Ezekiel. You see? A warning from me, he says, verse 18. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. You see, that's the objective, to save his life. Even among the wicked, Remember, the Lord has no pleasure in the death of the wicked and the death of one who perishes. The Lord takes no pleasure in that. I don't care what the Calvinists say. I don't care what the Reformed people say. The Lord takes no pleasure in that. The, the Lord of the Bible, not the Lord according to, you know, those theories. The God of the Bible takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And so he uses people, very uh, people who have hearts for the Lord, such as Ezekiel such as Paul, such as Peter, such as Aaron. You see, the Lord uses these people. Esther, Rahab. And it doesn't matter all walks of life. Rahab was a prostitute, but she feared the Lord. And that's what's so beautiful about, you know, whatever walk of life you're in, you could be a prostitute, you could be a crackhead, you could be whatever, a sex head, you could be whatever. And I say these things like the big ticket items, like, oh, that's so gross. But he can use anybody. You believe in the Lord, boom, all of a sudden you're at the cross, your life changes. Now, when I say he could use anybody and I name these things, it's not to say that you can be in these lifestyles, believe in the Lord, and continue in those lifestyles. Because even the demons believe and they tremble. It's belief in obedience. When you have this encounter with Jesus Christ, you have a choice. You can stay the same or you can yield to him. Acknowledge Him as Lord and obey Him. Those are the choices. I mean, you know, there are atheists who know the Bible. 
A lot of atheists really know their Bible because they 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 left the church. A lot of atheists really know the Bible. A lot of pastors get in trouble sometimes because they they know the Bible, but they realize the atheists know the Bible more than they do. And so they try to witness to these people, and all of a sudden they just get destroyed. You know, I mean, like you know, fight wise, you know, they just get destroyed. You know, remember, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't cast your pearls before swine. A lot of times people like to get in big theological debates. You don't have to do that. I mean, depending on, you know, what the situation is. But like when it comes to witnessing, don't cast your pearls before swine. You know, little nuggets of truth. Little nuggets of truth. Because like when we study the Bible, we we discuss and we study very, very, very deep things. Very immensely deep things. But then at the same time, you know, if I were to talk to somebody like a non-believer... I wouldn't talk about these, the, like the, the deep, 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 you know, sometimes we go really deep, you know, and I, I wouldn't mention these things because I don't know this person. I don't know how, you know, it's like a baby, you know, you're not going to teach a baby calculus, you know, and so, you know, understand that with growth comes these added responsibilities, but then at the same time, these added, you know, I say responsibilities, but added expectations too from the Lord. And for Ezekiel, he's to warn the people if the, to the wicked. You know, it's very interesting how the Lord has interaction with both the wicked and the righteous. And he says here in verse 18, to the wicked, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. But then now Ezekiel has a choice to make. Okay, Ezekiel in his mind, okay, the Lord says this. The Lord is warning the wicked that they're going to die. Do I give him no warning? Do I not warn them from their wicked way? You see, just like we look at verse 18, you shall, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. You see, Ezekiel has a choice to make. Does he be obedient to the Lord? Or does, is he a man pleaser? You see, is he going to be a God pleaser or is he going to be a man pleaser? Man pleaser, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I'm not going to warn you. Or is he going to be obedient to the Lord? He says, the Lord says, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. Because the guy is wicked. Whoever it is directed to. That person, that group of people, they're wicked. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, hey, you need to warn them. And if Ezekiel refrains from warning them in his own disobedience. I'm not, not to paint Ezekiel in a bad light, but understand that Ezekiel has a choice to make. He chose righteousness. He chose rightly in obedience to the Lord. But he still had a choice to make. So this wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but, but his blood I will require at your hand. Wow. Oh my goodness. That's heavy. You see? That's heavy. Ezekiel the prophet. The blood of this of this wicked person is required at the hand of Ezekiel. That's, that's if Ezekiel chooses to be disobedient to the Lord. Because the Lord is saying, hey, you got to warn these people. I'm telling you, Ezekiel. You see, I'm telling you to warn these people, people, Ezekiel. And if you don't do that, then it's on you. Very hardcore message for pastors, elders, Bible teachers, youth leaders. Very, very hardcore message for everybody in the camp of God. 
Christians. Very, very hardcore message. And you know, you hear our passages in the New Testament, we talk about man-pleasers. Man-pleaser or God-pleaser? You have a choice to make. Now, you can't say, okay, I'm going to be a God-pleaser and I'm going to say this, say this, say this. You better make sure that you're hearing from the Lord. Which speaks to intimacy, your own personal relationship with Him. You better make sure you're not carnal. You better make sure you're not a hypocrite. Now, we all deal with this earth suit that we're in. But you sin less and less and less. You become sinless as you grow, as you mature, as you uh, lay aside the elementary things, move on from the elementary things. People say, oh, I'm speaking for the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And they say things. It doesn't even align with the Bible. You don't speak for the Lord. You speak from your belly. Your God is your belly. I meant for that person. Better make sure that you, you know you, you have intimacy with the Lord. You're in His Word. You're not a hypocrite. You know you're going to talk to somebody about sex, drugs, rock and roll when you yourself are in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. No, that's hypocrisy. There's no power in that. No power of the Holy Spirit in that. None. Because it it doesn't work that way. That's not the way the equation works. That's why the Lord warns us. Don't be a hypocrite. And so let's continue here in Ezekiel 3, verse 19. Yet if you warn the wicked, so now Ezekiel's obedient. So he says, yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, so this wicked person still continues, still continues in his wicked ways. And he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity. But you, Ezekiel, you, Ezekiel, have delivered your soul. You see? So when Ezekiel is obedient, he delivers his soul. When he's disobedient, in verse 18, his blood I will require at your hand. That's heavy responsibility. Heavy, heavy responsibility of the prophets. Godly men. You see? That the Lord used. Just like you know, Amos was like, you know, I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet. The Lord says, Amos, you're a prophet. You see, in our study in the New Testament, look at all, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. In the halls of faith, we have all these people. Hebrews 11, you see, you know, like in in verse 4, by faith, excuse me, in verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. In verse 5, by faith, Enoch, verse 7, by faith, Noah, verse 8, by faith, Abraham, Verse 11, by faith, Sarah. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham. You see, verse 20, by faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. Verse 24, by faith, Moses. You see, all these things that we see. In verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab. Whoa, a straight up prostitute. And here she is in the halls of faith. In verse 32, it says, and, and what more shall I say? 
for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel the prophets. You see? Who, who in verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight, the, the armies of the aliens, you see, they made them retreat. You see, I love these, look at these beautiful people. You see, and out, of, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. Whoa, I love these people, fighters, warriors. In verse 35, women, you see, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. I love these women in verse 35. You see, women receive their dead raised to life again. Others tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. So having the options like, you know, whatever persecution they faced, you know, are you going to recant? And the women were valiant warriors. They says, no. No, not accepting the deliverance offered by the world that they might obtain a better resurrection. You see, oh, oh, such beautiful people. The halls of faith in chapter 11. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy of these people. Hated by the world. Beloved of God. And I read these passages and I'm so in love with these people. And the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, you see. How beautiful it is to see these people. And I say the people, but look at Christ in them. And the world was not worthy of them. Because they were not even of the world. They had their minds on the Lord. They were obedient to the Lord. They had their hearts with the Lord. Intimacy with the Lord. We see all these people listed in the earlier chapters, but wow, I meant like, oh, it's so beautiful. And there's, you know, in verse 32, and what more shall I say for a time, for the time would fail me to tell of, and then list more names, all these names. The time would fail me. Obedience. And so now we look at these passages in Ezekiel 3. It's like, wait a second. So, you know, you see Ezekiel, not to, not to exalt Ezekiel, but that we exalt the Lord and how the Lord is working in Ezekiel and through Ezekiel. You know, the Lord has done the work in Ezekiel and he's not finished yet. But for Ezekiel to get to this point of obedience, I wonder what his childhood was like. You know, we'll find out, we'll find out one day. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I would like to have that conversation with him, you know, <laughs> when we're in our glorified bodies. I would like to have that conversation with him. You know, it's like, you know, Ezekiel is such a, a beautiful person, but I want to see his mom and dad too. You know, I mean, where his, his mom and dad do this? Does his mom and dad teach him? Or, you know, what, what, 
you know, what was the childhood like? You know, I'm, a lot of things that, you know, I'm so curious. I'm so curious about all these things. You know, so hopefully, you know, I'll be able to find out one day in our glorified bodies. But we'll probably be too busy worshiping the Lord. And so we see here, Ezekiel has this choice to make to the wicked. Unto the Lord, but for the benefit of the wicked. Is he going to warn the wicked or is he not going to warn the wicked? And if he's, in, if he's obedient to the Lord, he delivers his soul. If he's disobedient to the Lord, then his blood is on his hand. The blood of the wicked is on the hand of, uh, it's on the account of Ezekiel. Now, in Ezekiel 3, verse 20, again, when a righteous man, so it's to the same, the, both the wicked and the righteous. To the, to the wicked, the Lord wants them to repent. But then when a righteous man, in verse 20, turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity. So this is a guy, the previous verses were the wicked, who the Lord says, don't be wicked. But then to the righteous, who starts to become wicked, the Lord says, hey, Ezekiel, I want you to send him a message. I want you to tell him something. He says again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him. Very interesting how the Lord works. You know, he puts you know, something in the path of the person who is righteous and turns into iniquity, and he puts like a roadblock there for that person as a message to say, hey, cut it out. And he says, and I lay a stumbling block before him. He shall die because you did not give him warning. You see, he shall die in his sin and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his, his, see, notice here, his righteousness, which he has done, Will, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. You see how sobering this is for Ezekiel? If, 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 if Ezekiel wants to be a man pleaser, oh, I don't want to hurt your, your little feelers. I don't want to hurt your feelings. And so I'm, I'm going to refrain from telling you what the Lord has to say. So you, you person who was formerly righteous and you're in sin now, I'm not going to give you warning because, okay, you know, I, I don't want to hurt your little feelers. No, you know what that is? That's Ezekiel's disobedience. And in Ezekiel's disobedience, the Lord says in verse 20, his blood I will require at your hand. And I'm not saying Ezekiel was a diso disobedient, but I, what I am saying is that he has a choice to make. He can choose righteous. He can choose obedience or he can choose disobedience. Now he chooses obedience. He chooses obedience and praise be to the Lord. A prophet of the Lord, the prophet Ezekiel. But then in verse 21, nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you have delivered your soul. You see, it's no small thing who the Lord chooses. It's no small thing when the Lord uses Ezekiel the prophet as a messenger. But remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's no small thing that he uses Peter and Paul. It's no small thing that he uses you. You see? Very dangerous to be a man pleaser. Now, mankind will be the benefactor of what you have to say. If you're a teacher, if you're admonishing, you know you're not carnal. You're be, be, being less carnal every day in your growth, in your maturity in Christ. No hypocrisy. 
People might make fun of you. They're going to call you a legalist. They're going to make fun of you and call you, you know, you're going too far with this Christianity business. They'll say that. Does that mean you, you know, you become a man pleaser and say, oh, okay, you're right. I'm going too far. Oh, you're right. You know, I'm a legalist. No, step on the gas pedal. I mean, their proclamations are even, those are like, those fulfill scripture in and of themselves. It can be a great encouragement to you when they hate you. Because remember, the Lord says they hated me first. Can't be a man pleaser. Now, if you're a pastor, if you're a pastor and you're a man pleaser, you need to check yourself. You need to check yourself. Because you can't do that. You have to teach what the Bible says. Look at these passages that we study. You know, I don't like teaching about marriage. You hear me talk about, you know, I don't, I don't like teaching about marriage. But we have to study what the Bible says. I, I explained why. You might, If you're hearing that for the first time, you know, I explained why on Sunday. Because most people in the church are carnal. Most people in the church are babies. They don't understand these things. They don't look forward to the better marriage, the better uh, husband, capital H. And because of that, because of their state of babiness, I, I just, you know, I don't like teaching on those subjects. I'll teach about sex, drugs, rock and roll. I'll teach about those things. But you cannot, you, know, you, you cannot shy away from heavy, heavy topics. I shouldn't say topics, subject matter in the Word of God. Yes, they're topics, but it's the Word of the Lord. Especially, oh pastor, when the Lord tells you to say something. You have to be obedient, even when people will hate you. Even when you know they will hate you. Even when you know they will leave. Even when you know they will depart from you. Even when you know they'll go out and make fun of you. Even when you know they'll go out and spread rumors. Even when you know these things will happen. You have to be obedient to the Lord. Because in the life to come, you'll deliver your soul. You see? A lot of man pleasers in these last days. That's why it's the last days, among other things. There's a lot of man-pleasers. Pastors who don't like to teach. And I know that pastors who... I mean, there's a, a many, 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 many. But pastors who don't like to teach from Revelation. Pastors who don't like to teach from certain passages of the Old Testament. Oh, it's too judgmental. I only te- teach topical messages because I can, I can choose. I want the people to feel good. I want people to feel good too. But that only comes through obedience to the Lord. That's it's holy. What we're doing right now, it's holy. Holy unto the Lord. I have my Bible open, you have your Bible open, and we're studying. It's holy. It's not just like, you know, we're, we're at a book club, you know, and we're just, you know, talking about a book. No, this is holy what's happening right now. You see, and you cannot be a man pleaser. You may say, okay, I'm not a pastor, so it's no big deal. I'm not an elder, so it's no big deal. Okay, that uh, that's not for me. 
You don't know how the Lord is going to call you. You don't know how the Lord is going to use you. He might be grooming you to be a pastor. He might be grooming you to be an elder. He might be grooming you to be an evangelist. He might be grooming you to be a, a whatever his capacity that he wants to he wants you to serve him. You don't know. So you see these responsibilities that are given to godly men and godly women. You see responsibilities. Let's go back to numbers. Numbers 18. <clears throat> and in Numbers 18, you see responsibility to the priesthood. In verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1, he says, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. You see, responsibility. The responsibility of tabernacle of the tabernacle, but then also like they're held to an account now. Where before there was an accountability, but not like this. You see, in verse two, also bring with also bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi. So you see, the Lord is is providing helpers now. The Lord is saying, you know, hey, you know, you, you guys are the Kohanim and you, you know, Aaron, you have your priesthood. But then, you know, also in tabernacle worship, uh, tabernacle in the, for work in the tabernacle, bring with you the, tri the your brethren of the tribe of Levi, of the tribe of Levi. You see, helpers. The tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you, that they may be cleaved and united and twined with you, twined together. You know, you take like. Uh, if you've braided hair before, you know, if you braided hair before, I mean, you see, it's like the twining of the hair. You, you intermingle them and it's like one, it becomes one, one little thing of hair. But then it's like, you know, the, the little different strands or the, you know, I, I, I can't explain it too well. But that's how it's to be twined together. Cleaved, united. And that's what's so beautiful about this because Aaron is the high priest. And he has his sons, they're the Kohanim, and they have a special priesthood. But then at the same time, for tabernacle worship, for tabernacle, to, to work in the tabernacle. And the Lord is saying, bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, that they may be joined, joined with you, cleaved and united and twined with them. You see, the Lord is providing. And where God guides, God provides. Never, ever forget that. Where God guides, God guides, God provides. Never forget that. And, you know, a lot of times people think monetarily. But when you read the Bible, a lot of times you don't see monetarily, especially the New Testament. The Lord just calls people. You see? I mean, so many times people say, they, they refer to these passages in the Old Testament as the Moses model. Where all these people are following Moses. But, you know, you could look at it with carnal eyes and be okay, oh, the people are following Moses with carnal eyes. But did you put on your spiritual, the, eye, the, the Lord changes your eyesight? He changes your eyesight. And you start to see these passages and you see the Lord provided Aaron. The Lord provided uh, 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 the elders. The Lord is providing, you know, a, a, a priesthood. The Lord is providing the Levitical priesthood, the, the Kohanim, and then the, the Levitical priesthood. And you remember our study in Exodus, 
you know, Exodus 25, 26, 27, 20, you see the blueprints, how the Lord gave Moses these blueprints long ago. And here we are, we're seeing like, not just the fulfillment, but we're seeing the, the safety net. I don't like to cheapen it by saying the safety net, but we're seeing like the stop gaps, so to speak, or the, uh, because what happens when there was sin? And then judgment comes into the camp. And now we're seeing, you know, the reason for sacrifice. Remember when in Exodus 33, when the Lord says, I'm not going to go with you guys. Hey, you know, I'll meet up with you in the land of milk and honey. You guys go there. I'm not going to be with you guys. You guys are stiff necked people. And if I go with you, I'm going to kill you all. And Moses intercedes for the people. And then you get into chapter 34 of Exodus. And then you see, okay, here's the, 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 the new two tablets. Because the first were destroyed in, with the golden calf. Here are the new, new two tablets. And now... Here's the introduction of sacrifice, blood. There must be blood. Life is in the blood. And what do we see in, 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 in people being right before the Lord, in people having peace with the Lord? Life for life. You see? Blood. The atonement of blood. Life is in the blood. Sacrifice. And so we get to these passages and we're seeing the very aspect of the blueprints that the Lord gave Moses long ago. And we're seeing everything come to pass. Just as the Lord told Moses. Just as the Lord said it was going to pan out. And here we're seeing it. Moses might have not known. I mean, you know, maybe he had an idea. But he didn't know what was going to happen, you know, the next year down the road, a couple months down the road. He didn't know the, the extent of these things. Remember when Moses pleased the Lord, he says, Lord, have you forsaken me because of these people? And you know what? You don't know either. Here we are studying the Bible. I have my Bible open. You have your Bible open. You don't know how the Lord is going to use you in five months next year. Five years from now, you don't know how the Lord is going to use you. <clears throat> but we study the Bible. We have our own private time reading the Bible. And the whole time, He's teaching you. He's training you. And you have intimacy with Him. Then when He calls you, you cannot be a, a man pleaser. People will be the benefactor of how the Lord uses you. I mean, if they have ears. If they have eyes, they'll, they'll be the benefactor. Sometimes they'll want to kill you. But what is that? Beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is the death of His saints. Heavy, heavy responsibility as you grow, as you mature in Christ. Now you start to understand why people like being babies. They don't like the responsibility. You see, and we're talking about in the church, but... I mean, look at in a home. A lot of people don't like their responsibilities. A lot of men don't like their responsibilities as the pastor of their home. They don't like the responsibilities. Well, if you don't like the responsibility, then, you know, you should have thought about that before, you know. Well, I meant, you know. <laughs> Just like we talked about on Sunday, you know, if you're single, these are some choices you have to make. If you're young and single, you have to make these choices. Do you enter into... A, 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 a marriage? Do you proceed with marriage? Do you look forward to marriage? Or, or, or carnally speaking? 
And if so, there's uh, added aspects to that. It's not just, you know, married. I mean, you know, marriage, it's not just that. It's, okay, now you have these responsibilities. I mean, especially if you're a man, you have these responsibilities unto your wife, your future wife. And then if you have kids, you have these responsibilities unto your future kids. I mean, you have a lot of defunct, as we talked about defunct pastors, defunct elders in Corinth. Today, you have a lot of defunct dads, defunct husbands. I'm t- the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. I'm talking about the church. You see, it can't be that way. I mean, you can, but I don't advocate it. You got to change your way, oh man. Responsibilities. And as you grow and as you mature, the responsibilities are going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. Because you're not going to teach calculus to a kindergartner. And likewise, it's the same with you as you grow and as you mature. And with that understanding, it's easy to see why people like milk. You see, I don't want to grow up, they say. I don't want to grow up. Maybe they've counted the cost and they don't want to grow up. They don't want to do that. So they stay on milk. That's not good. Because staying on milk, mean, there's one thing to be on milk because you just don't know. It's another thing to be on milk because you know and you, 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 you don't want to move on to perfection. You don't like the responsibilities. There are people like that. It's not good. Because look at what look at what happens in that environment. Look what happened in Corinth. I mean how Paul had to write these chapter five was heavy. Take a guy and commit him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That's heartbreaking. Commit a, a guy who, you know, in the church, I don't know at what point he stopped being disobedient, but he was disobedient and in the church. And the Holy Spirit says to Paul, hey, write this down, Paul. Tell them to kick him out of the church for the destruction of the flesh because he's leaven. A little leaven leavens the bunch. That's heartbreaking. But yet it has to happen. Because the Lord is holy. And not just that. You get into the, 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 the chapter 5, verse 11. You know, all these people who are covetous, revilers, drunkards, sexually immoral. Don't hang around them. Anyone named a brother who's involved with that. It's heartbreaking. For these individuals that are caught up in those decisions that they made. For the people who are not caught up in those decisions, it's heartbreaking for them because it's like, wow, you know, a, a breakup of the body. But remember, the body is holy. It's the body of Christ. It's not the body of, you know, Joe Schmuckatelli. It's not the body of, you know, uh, Joe Schmo. It's the body of Christ. And he is holy. You see? Look at the pastors, the defunct pastors and the defunct elders in Corinth who were man-pleasers. And woe to them. Imagine if the Lord was telling them, Hey, pastor in Corinth, say this. Hey, elder in Corinth, say this. And they refused to say it. They refused to warn. Look at what happened to, 
to Corinth, the church in Corinth. Look at the works of the flesh in Corinth. But those in the household of Chloe, so in love with that household. Those in the household of Chloe, you see, just like Ezekiel, obedient unto the Lord. In telling Paul, as an authority over those pastors, as an authority over those churches, over the church in Corinth. When Paul says, yeah, you have a bunch of, you have your preschool teachers, but did they give birth to you? You see, birth in the gospel, that's a, that's a word that's used for women. It's to give birth to a baby. And Paul says, I've birthed you in Christ through the gospel. It's like a father, but like a father slash mother, you know? Supernaturally speaking, I'm not speaking like any kind of blasphemy. But I have birthed you, he says. Wow. And you see, his responsibility, like as in Ezekiel too, he's being obedient to the Lord. And he's warning the church. You see, all these beautiful people we see in the Bible, the halls of faith, men, women, young, old, you don't see man pleasers. <laughs> you don't see that. It's in the world that you see the man pleasers. It's in the church today that you see the man pleasers. But these beautiful people, the halls of faith, you don't see the man pleasers. You see God pleasers. I mean, you do see man pleasers in the Bible, but then you see what happens to them. And so, look what happens here in verse 2. He says, also bring with you, uh, 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 with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you to be cleaved, to be united, to be twined with them. And you see, the Lord is providing. All these times that the Lord is providing. It's not just Aaron alone. It's Aaron and now he has these helpers. You see? And, and he says the, uh, to be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness. So remember, it's, you know, it, the whole goal of this tabernacle work in the tabernacle, it's for people to be right with the Lord. That's the whole goal. For people to be right with the Lord. Because in the camp of Israel, we're going to see sin. We've already seen sin, but we're going to see more sin. And there's these very special people, the Levites and the Kohanim. The Levites have a job. The Kohanim have a job. And the whole process, I don't like to call it a process, but you know, it's a process, but it's, it's holy. And I'm not advocating the law. It's holy in accordance with the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. It's holy. We are a people of the New Covenant. So I'm not advocating the law. But then at the same time to understand that as sin comes in the camp, that the Lord wants to deal with the sin how? Through sacrifice, through blood, atonement. And then people can be right with the Lord when sin happens. He says in verse 3, They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle. So when he says you shall, it's not like a, a slave class, like, you know, the, 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 the Levites are going to, uh, you know, get you a drink. The Levites are, the are going to bring you water. The Levites are going to, you know, cut your steak for you. No, it's not like a slave class because it's all in worship of the Lord. It's service as, you know, when it says they shall attend to your needs, this translates in the Hebrew as service, but as watchmen and as guards. So it's like you have the Kohanim, but then at the same time you have the Levites that come alongside the Kohanim to help in the tabernacle. And they're as watchmen, you see. It's like a pastor who has 
uh, an elder or a pastor who has a co-pastor or you have a group of elders, how beautiful it is that the Lord sets up these safeguards. In His Word, He sets up these safeguards. The Council of Elders. But then a big problem happens, just as we see in the camp of Israel, when it's the elders, when it's the Kohanim, uh, when it's the uh, 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 the Levite, the Levitical priesthood, which become corrupt, which happens. I mean, look at the Kohanim and the Levites when they killed Jesus. You see, son of the Most High, and they killed him. You talk about corruption. You know, a council of elders today for a church, it's beautiful. But where are the elders? Are they man-pleasers or are they God-pleasers? Oh, they're God-pleasers, they're God-pleasers. Okay. Okay, you say they're God-pleasers? Let's look at the fellowship. Let's look at the church. What's up with all this sex? What's up with all this crack? What's up with all this alcohol? What's up with all these, you know, the, these wives whose demeanor are, are, are witness to them being slaves in their home, to them being concubines? Why are the kids, you know, why are they, they spend a weekend with dad and then the weekend they're out of town with mom and then the weekend, the next weekend with dad? What's the divorce rate in the church? You see? Man pleasers. Man pleasers. Oh, but they're men of God. They're men of God. They're God pleasers. Okay, what's up with the grave soaking? Men of God, God's not going to contradict himself. You want to call them men of God? Okay, that's fine. What's the doctrine? Let's look at the doctrine. Because God isn't going to con contradict himself. So why are they teaching grave soaking? Why are they teaching a prosperity gospel? You see, responsibility. That's what happens with maturity and growth. That's why Paul says, don't choose a novice. It's not just warm bodies. You know, oh, we have a need in the church. Okay, choose anybody. No, no, no. That, you don't see that in the Bible. Just like there was this need that arose in the, in the church, the early church. And the apostles, they said, okay, a good witness, full of the Holy Spirit. Choose these people. Not just a warm body. And so we see these, how the Lord provides these, the, the Levites to be cleaved and united and twined to be joined together with Aaron and the Kohanim. It's for service unto the Lord, for service in the tabernacle as watchmen and as guards. In verse 3, they shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary. So there's specific order, very, very specific order. There's duties for the Levites and then duties for the Kohanim. No strange fire. No strange fire. And Aaron knows about strange fire because his two sons were killed because they offered strange fire to the Lord. So the, he says that, they, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar lest they die. You see, whoa, no strange fire. But lest they die, they and you also, you see, responsibility and then you know 
responsibility comes. It comes. You have to count the cost. I mean, for us, you and me today, we count the cost. But the responsibility for Aaron, it comes with cost. Okay, Aaron, if, you know, the Lord is saying, okay, Aaron, if you're going to have these Levites come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, they're going to die. Because there's a specific order, Aaron, and you know this. And if you didn't know it before, you know it now, especially considering what happened with uh, 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 Korah and the rebellion of Korah and those who followed him. Now, in the aftermath of that, now the Lord is saying, okay, Aaron, you know, these are, these are how things are going to be. Very specific order. And if you don't follow this order, Aaron, you're going to die. They're going to die, and you also. You see? For you and me today, count the cost. The closer you get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the closer you get, the more people will hate you. I don't have any friends. I mean, I have people that I love, brothers and sisters whom I love. But the closer you get with Jesus Christ, the more they will hate you. It's, it testifies of what the Lord says. Remember that they hated me first, he says. And you can rejoice. It's one thing if people hate you because you're a jerk. That's one thing. I mean, if you're just, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, mean-spirited and say, but then... You know, today everybody's a snowflake nowadays. Everybody's, you know, they, they, they don't like getting their little feelers hurt. You know, and that even that is prophetic. So what do you mean it's prophetic? Well, turn with me to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, when uh, the disciples asked him, they said in verse 3, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Remember we studied on Sunday how, you know, people get married in this age. They, are, they get married and are given in marriage in accordance with this age. Well, this age is coming to an end. The disciples asked them in verse 3, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And he, the Lord starts to teach and say, well, these things are going to happen. But in verse 10, and then many will be offended, you see. Many will be offended. A snowflake generation. It's prophetic. Prophecy is happening right before our eyes. Many will be offended. A snowflake generation will betray one another and will hate one another. You see? It's prophetic. It's happening right before. I mean, 10 years ago, you never heard about a snowflake generation. Then... The millennials came to town. <laughs> and the millennials, you know, entered into adulthood and whew, wow. <laughs> the millennials are one thing, but you know, I have beef with their parents. You know, they spared the rod. Now look, you know, we're paying the price for the parents who spared the rod. You see? Snowflake generation. It's prophesied. Manny will be offended. So, you know, like if, if people hate you because you're a jerk, that's one thing. But then if people hate you because you're, you're giving truth, truth, that's another thing entirely. Just like Ezekiel, just like Paul, just like Peter, 
And it's going to get worse. This is nothing. It's going to get worse and worse to the point where, you know, Christians will be killed and the world will be rejoicing. Because we're not tolerant. Everybody says, we want tolerance. We want tolerance. We want tolerance. You're a Christian. We don't tolerate you. You believe in Jesus Christ. We won't tolerate you. These things will come to pass. They're happening. It's building up. It's going to get worse and worse. But these things are happening. We count the cost. They're going to hate you. You get closer to Jesus Christ, they're going to hate you. And a man's enemies will be those in his own house. Kids might even hate you. You have like college kids. You know, a lot of parents, they love the Lord. They raise their kids in the Lord. They send their kids to college. The kids come back from college. And they don't want to, you know, they get a, you know, they, they, they have their degrees, but then, you know, they're, they don't, they don't want to get a job. They like being under mommy and daddy. They go under that roof and all of a sudden they hate the parents. Oh, mom, dad, you're not tolerant enough. You believe Jesus Christ. That's, those are myths. Those are fairy tales. And the so-called learned person is a fool, biblically speaking. Professing to be wise became a fool. Fulfills scripture. A man's enemies will be those in his own household. And so look what happens. And it doesn't have to be college. I just throw out college because it's very common these days. But, you know, a man's enemies will still be those in his own household. Division in the home. That's what the Lord does. Divides. You say, I thought he brings peace. He does bring peace. He brings peace in your heart. And he will bring peace. You know, the Prince of Peace will be crowned. I mean, Physically, it's going to happen. He will, be, he will return and he will be crowned. But you have a choice to make today. Crown him. You crown yourself, you crown Satan, or you crown Jesus Christ. You see, those are the choices. And crowning yourself is like one of the same with Satan, because that's what Satan wants. You crown Jesus Christ. Acknowledge him as Lord of your life. And you receive him. And you'll be born again. And so this added responsibility unto Aaron, it's like, whoa, you know, if, they, if these guys come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, they're going to die. And not just them, you also. A heavy, heavy cost comes with responsibility. I mean, look, at a brain surgeon, a brain surgeon in the operating room, you're not going to take a preschooler and put that person in the operating room and say, okay, here, you're going to operate. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to kill that person. That preschooler is operating on the brain. You're going to kill that person. And then that person, the, 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 the family is going to sue. And then that, that doctor, that preschooler is going to go to prison. You know, or, you know, pay a price. Or whoever the heads of that, you know, medical facility, they're going to pay a heavy price. That's the world. But even the world testifies of these, these holy things that the Lord has for us. I mean, this is the law, but wow, what a heavy cost. That's why we count the cost. We count the cost. In verse 4 in Numbers 18, they shall be joined with you. They shall be uh, uh, cleaved and, 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 and twined with you. You see how the Lord provides? The Lord is providing to be this joining, this cleaving with you and attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting for all the work of the tabernacle but an outsider which is a foreigner but as profane a profane person but the and a foreigner shall not come near you you see 
It's not just warm bodies to serve. It's like, you know, okay, you know, uh, uh, we, we need warm bodies to, 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 to sacrifice these animals. We need warm bodies. No, 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 no. Levites. Kohanim. Those are the two that serve in the tabernacle. Not just warm body. It's a holy people serving the holy God. Remember? Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. You see this Old Testament division. But then you also see New Testament division. Division that the Lord gives. That the Lord brings. Because He's the one who says, Don't think I came to bring peace. I came to divide. Do you suppose that I came to bring peace? That's what He says. No, He says, I came to divide. And you... If you walk closely with Jesus Christ, you know exactly what that means. Now, if you're a baby Christian, you're a milk drinker, you're not going to understand this division because there's divided. What are you divided from? You're a baby. You're you're, you're a milk drinker. You you know, just like in Corinth, all these things. It's like you look at the church, you look at the world. There's exactly the same. There's no division. But the closer you get with Jesus Christ, the babies are going to make fun of you. They're going to call you legalists, the unlearned. They're going to call the fools. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to call you legalists. They're going to call you mean. They're going to call you all kinds of different names. But you are able to see this division that the Lord speaks of. You see? Because it, you have a different set of eyes. Now, if you're a baby Christian, it's not to say shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. Maybe I'll say it once. If you've been a baby Christian for 10 years... That's not good. You need to grow. Mature. Lay aside all those things which hinder you. And you might have to separate yourself from some brothers, some sisters. You might have to make a separation. If you have other brothers who are babies and they, you know they're, they're pulling you down, you might have to make a separation. When they call you and say, hey, let's hang out, you can say, no. No. Because I'm going to move on to perfection. I want you to come with me, but if you don't want to, then no. It's going to be division. That's what the Lord does. Remember, the wheat and the tares grow together. And so look what happens here in verse 5. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. You see, wrath happened. Wrath happened. In chapter 16, verse 46, do you remember what we studied a couple weeks ago? So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. You see, wrath has come out from the Lord. Already it's happened. And the Lord is saying that there may be no, no more wrath on the children of Israel. You see? So many times people say, I don't like to read the Old Testament. I don't like to study the Old Testament because God is, God is vengeful. No, not at all. He's long-suffering. Long-suffering. Now, it's the priesthood. It's the Kohanim. It's the Levitical priesthood, which has a responsibility to prevent wrath. You see? Attending, in verse 5, tending to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there be no more wrath on the children of Israel. You see? Now who's responsible? The priests. The religious leaders. Now, biblically speaking, 
Now, if you're a pastor, especially if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a Bible teacher, biblically speaking, we know that judgment comes first in the house of the church, in the house of God, in the church. Judgment comes first in the church. Judgment is coming on the world. Precursory to that, we know it comes to the church. Judgment. Biblically speaking, as the Holy Spirit revealed to Peter, Peter wrote it down and he reveals to us. We know it's happening. Now, if you're a pastor, Bible teacher, elder, youth leader, if you're a man pleaser and you refuse to teach truth and God's wrath comes to the flock that you teach, do you think that you will escape? Their blood is on you. You see, people like this these titles. Oh yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm the elder. They like the accolades of men. But when you teach truth, there are no accolades of men. It's just the opposite. People will hate you when you teach truth. Because truth hurts. Truth is painful because the Lord in truth confronts the natural man and the natural woman to change you. Being transformed into the image of Christ. But if you're a man pleaser, if you teach the Bible, if you open up the Bible to teach and you want to be a man pleaser, the ones who hear you, if wrath comes upon them, and you're as a man pleaser, you're not giving them truth, just like the Lord says to Ezekiel, their blood is on you. Now, if you teach the Bible and, you know, the heavy subjects and you just teach through the heavy subjects and then people leave, they still hate you and they don't repent. Their blood is not on you. You see? Very, because of the desire to please men, pastors become disobedient to the Lord. Bible teachers, elders become disobedient to the Lord. Youth leaders become disobedient to the Lord because of desire, because of the desire to please men. You can't have, if you're a teacher, you cannot have that mindset. You have to please the Lord and only the Lord. And you're not going to have a lot of friends. I guarantee you. You're not going to have a lot of friends. People will hate you. And that's in the church. <laughs> that's inside, inside the church. <laughs> but outside the church... Oh, they're going to want to kill you. They're going to want you dead. Death threats? The Bible teacher is not excluded from death threats from the world. Death threats, is, it's, 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 it's part of the gig. <laughs> it's part of the gig. People hate you. They hate the Lord. This Antichrist spirit, they hate the Lord. And they hate His messengers. You will get death threats. Guaranteed, you'll get death threats. <laughs> it's it's part of the gig. Not to not to diminish the calling and call it a gig, but you know, it's part and parcel. It's one of the same. Remember, they hated me first. That's what Jesus Christ says. And so, 
Look what happens here, you know, in verse 5, that these duties, tending in the duties of the sanctuary and in the altar, that there be no more wrath on the children of Israel. You see, God is long-suffering. He doesn't, he, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But who's gonna, who, are, who, who are the ones that are going to tell the wicked? Who are the ones who are going to tell the wicked? Who are the ones with the responsibility of a, being a covering for the wicked? Just like we see here the Kohanim, the, the, the Levites. A, cover, a spiritual covering. There's this responsibility. If you're a pastor, you are a covering. I mean, if you're a carnal pastor, you're the uncovering. You're just the opposite. You are no covering. You see? And so look what happens here. Behold... <clears throat> I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you given by the Lord. This is so beautiful. This is like such a beautiful, beautiful verse. I myself, he says, this is the Lord speaking to Aaron. Aaron. Remember Aaron, you know, not to, not to hearten, you know, to, to <clears throat> beat a dead horse on the past of Aaron. But remember, he made the, he fashioned the golden calf. And through repentance, look how the Lord is using him. And the Lord says, I myself, Aaron, I myself have taken your brethren, Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you. Especially selected people. The Lord says, I myself selected them. And it's my gift to you, Aaron. You see? These people, they're going to be twined with you, intertwined with you. Cleaved unto you. You see? Where God guides, God provides. The responsibility. Abodah, abodah, mishkan. For service in the tabernacle. And the whole purpose is for people to be right with God. Just like we study on Sunday. It's like my dream. For a dead church, you know, it's my dream. And I don't mean dead church like, you know, the corpses. I mean dead like, dead to the flesh. Dead to the carnal. No hypocrisy. You know, married as unmarried. Unmarried and then married as unmarried. Just on fire for the Lord that we can serve the Lord. You know how beautiful that is. Just all about the Lord's business. You know. Making tents, whatever form of tent it is, making tents, but even still all about the Lord's business. That's my dream. You see, it's so beautiful to see the Lord takes this. I myself, he says, they're a gift to you. I've, you know, I've taken from among these children of Israel, the Levites. They're a gift to you. Remember, Aaron's the high priest. Given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. You see, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. The whole objective is for people to be right with God. That's the objective. Atonement, a covering for their sins. Therefore, <clears throat> you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil. And you shall serve. I give your and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service. But the outsider, this is a foreigner, but as profane. 
but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Remember the rebellion of Korah, what we studied, you know, in, 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 uh, a couple weeks ago? The, the rebellion of Korah and the people who followed Korah? Well, it's like God is saying, no more. That's not going to happen anymore. And, you know, you saw how he responded, Aaron. You saw how I did this. You saw how I did this, Aaron. And so now it's on you. Now it's on you. Now you have this responsibility. It's, it's on you, Aaron. And it's not just you. I'm going to give you the, these people, the Levites. They're going to be cleaved unto you. They're going to be intertwined with you for service in the tabernacle. And it's on you guys. Very special. You're the Kohanim. You can do this. The Levites can do this. And if the Levites come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, then they're going to die. Them and you also, because you didn't tell them. Hey, this isn't for you. You see, division, even, even division in the, in the tabernacle worship, even division there. In verse 8, And the Lord spoke to Aaron, Here, I myself has, I have also given you charge of my heave offerings, all the holy gifts of the children of Israel, I have given them as a portion to you and your sons. See, this word for a portion is a consecrated gift. So the people, Israel, they, they make their offerings to the Lord. And then the Lord says of these offerings, you know, it's for you, Aaron. It's for you. It's for the Levites. Well, not, it, it, we're going to see how it, it, it gets divvied out. But he says, I have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. You see, so you, you see these like in, 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 in a New Testament example as, as people of the new covenant, a New Testament example would be like tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings, it's holy. It's not like a bill to pay. So many times people say, okay, I'm going to give, you know, it's like a bill to pay. Like I'm going to give, you know, like X amount of dollars a month. And so I'm going to, I'm going to pay this. It's like a bill to pay. It's like, you know, it doesn't work that way. It's of your heart. You give it with a cheerful heart and, and you give to the Lord. And, and you give to the Lord. And so what happens? You make an offering to a church. You make an offering to an, a, a Christian organization, a faith-based organization. With maybe they, you know, orphans or, you know, maybe there's a, a, a foundation for the underground church. A, a, a Christian organization that funnels money to the underground church. So these pastors can teach. And so you, you give monies. Now what happens, so you give a money to a church, you, you, you're, you're offering unto the Lord, you give it to the, the, to the church, a tithe. And that's not for the church to build assets. It's, it's, it's holy. Your offering is holy. You, you do your labor, you go work with your hands, you work with your mind, you work with your brain, you do all this work, and you know, you're working as unto the Lord, and then you get a paycheck. Now of that paycheck that the Lord has blessed you with, He's given you the ability to work with the, your mind, to work with your brain, to work with your hands, to have this cognitive ability in whatever capacity. He's blessed you with that ability. And now you work, you get a paycheck, and now you take a portion of that paycheck and you give it to the Lord. And you give it to the Lord in the capacity of giving to a church. I'm just speaking for example. And I'm not, this isn't like, you know, I'm asking for money. You know, I don't, I'm, 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 when it comes to the topic of tithes and offering, I'll teach when it comes up, but I, I don't 
I don't go around begging for money. So you give to a fellowship. You give to a church. It's an offer. It's very, very holy. It's not a bill to pay. It's not like, okay, I'm going to give my regular X amount of dollars. This is my bill to pay for the month. No, it's, it's holy. You have to understand this concept of holiness. I shouldn't say concept of holiness, but understand holiness. And then you give it to the church again. Now, it's not for the church to build assets. It's not for the pastors to go out and, you know, go out and party. No, it doesn't work that way. Now, you, so you give your offering. Now, what happens, the, 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 the church funds, all kinds of needs arise in, arise in a church. Church funds to do, you know, we can look at utilities, but that's, that's like, that's like, that's not even a priority. Utilities, rent, that's not even priority. What are the needs in the church for the people? What are the needs in the church? Distribute to their needs. And then a portion, you know, that's the church funds. But then another portion of that is to pay the pastors, to pay the elders. That's their income. That's, that's, that's how they can go out to the grocery store and buy groceries with those monies. Biblically, that's how it happens. In the New Testament, new, as New Covenant believers, the pastors live off of that. They can afford to pay for their groceries. They can afford to pay for their electricity bills at home. That's biblically how it happens. You see? It's the pastor's income. Now, I'm in love with Paul. Me personally, I'm so madly in love with Paul because it's like, wow, Paul says, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, I have every right to take from you, church, but I'm not going to do that because, you know, you know, freely I receive, freely I give. So he's like, he works for free. It's so beautiful when you see these things come. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, you know, don't give because your pastor is going to, he's going to work for free. No. Biblically speaking, in obedience to the Lord, that's what you do. You tithe and you offer. Make your offering to it. But it's holy. It's not like, you know, I'm going to give X amount of dollars every month. I mean, if you commit and that's your sacrifice, that's your offering to the Lord, that's one thing. But a lot of times people pay, they say, I'm going to give X amount of dollars. They pay like a, like they're paying a bill. This is my gas bill for the month. Okay, I'm going to write this check. You know, this is my, uh, they don't consider it like an offering. They write tithe on there. But no, it's very holy. And a portion of that is to, for the pastor's income. So he can, you know, buy groceries for his family. You know? Wife can take care of the kids. The, afford an apartment. Afford a house. You know, afford to, 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 to you know, whatever. Because these people are all about the Lord's business. You know, pay their car. Get a car so they can go, you know, house to house. You know, needs in the church. Drive over here, you know, pray for a family. Drive over here, pray for another family. Another family's hard up. Okay, church funds here. Here's your grocery money this month. All about the Lord's business. You see, Paul was about the Lord's business, except he was a tent maker. And so let's look what happens here. So that's how, that's how in the New Testament, that's the provisions of the Lord for the pastors and elders. And so we see here in, 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 in verse 8, the exact same concept. That the offerings that Israel, Israel has, it's have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. 
And so we see here, this shall be yours of the most holy things reserved from the fire. Every offering of theirs, every grain offering and every sin offering and every trespass offering, which they rendered to me. So understand, it's given to the Lord, which they rendered to me, he says, shall be most holy for you and your sons. So God is providing for the priesthood. God is providing for the priesthood. Now, you know, just like we study in Leviticus, you see that there's plenty room for corruption. And corruption does happen. But here at the inception, it's beautiful. Corruption does happen. Just like you see in the church. Pastors all, you know, they have these mega churches. And people give their tithes and offerings. And then pastors have their parsonage. Parsonage right at the beach. Parsonage on, you know, on an island. Parsonage number one at the beach in, you know, the continental U.S. Parsonage number two, you know, outside the U.S. And, you know, on a nice little island. Then they have their nice little church-funded private airplane, you see, church-funded retirement account, church-funded, you know, Rolls-Royce, church, everything's church-funded. Corruption. Corruption. That's evil. That's wickedness. Among the pastors, among the elders, that's wickedness. Remember how we studied on Sunday as using the world but not abusing it? You see? And so we see here in verse 10, In a most holy place you shall eat it. Every male shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. So it's not to be treated with frivolity. And corruption does happen when, when people start to cheapen these holy ordinances in accordance with the law. Not advocating the law. But they start to have like no regard, like, okay, let's just get in the process. And, you know, like pastors and elders and deacons and bishops and worship leaders, they just get into the minutiae of like, you know, okay, it's Sunday, so we're going to have church. Okay, it's Wednesday, so we're going to have church. It's this. Things start to become diminished, but to understand, wait a second, the whole purpose is for people to be right with God. That's the whole purpose. It's not so a worship leader can, you know, it's his jump start to his rock star career, which a lot of times you see happen. God blesses an individual with a beautiful voice, male, female, a beautiful voice. And then they sing in the church so that they can, you know, make their CDs, make, I'm kind of old school, I don't know if they do CDs anymore, but they make their tracks, you know, they make their records and, you know, then they pitch them to the, you know, the, 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 the musician people, you know, they, they send them out to, Tennessee, you know, good old Tennessee, send them out to Tennessee and they say, look, you know, I'm a worship leader at this church and look, you know, then they get into stardom. They go to Tennessee and then they move to Hollywood and they get into Hollywood and it just, it's a nightmare. They use the church as like a, the, 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 to boost them into the world because they have worldly motives. The same with pastors, you know, they write all their books and so they write their books, but then they have these organizations that they use with church funds to buy bulks and bulks and bulks of books. So you get a nice nice little tax deduction, but then at the same time, because you're buying these bulks of books, what are you doing? You're, you're increasing your sales, so now you're going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. Not because the consumers are buying it, because you're buying them in bulk. And then you turn around and sell them at a discount to Christians, to the church. 
And the Christians think, wow, you know, this guy's such a nice guy. He's giving me a nice, he's giving me this book for 20% off. The whole time he's pulling profit. The whole time he's pulling profit. Because he's a fool. He's a dummy. He's an idiotes in the Greek. He's a hireling, as the Bible warns against. He's a wolf, as the Bible warns against. You see? His God is his belly. New York Times bestseller. And a lot of times you have the Christians that are like, oh yeah, New York Times bestseller. Let me read what this book says. I'm going to follow this guy. The whole time the guy's a charlatan. You see? And so, look what happens here. Just like we see corruption happen in the Old Testament, you see corruption happen in the New Testament, and you see corruption happen today. Today. In verse 11, This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift, with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you. So the family so you see, before we talk about, you know, this is a, a, your portion, you and your sons, that's the Kohanim. So you have Aaron, the high priest, and his sons. They were groomed to be the next generation of the Kohanim, the next generation of the high priests. <clears throat> but this heave offering with the wave offering, now it's like for the family, you know, for the daughters too. You see how beautiful this is? As an ordinance forever, he says. And then everyone who is clean, everyone who is pure in your house may eat it. So nothing unclean. Nothing unclean. You know, nothing shameful. So you, you say you have a high priest. A high priest who has uh, um, a son who is supposed to be groomed for the next high priest. But this son is having sex left and right. You know, all day long. Just sex, 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 nonstop. It's like, okay. That guy's not going to eat. And, you know, what's going on with that priest? Why is he going to have his home in order? Why isn't his tent in order? You see? It's like, okay, if this happens, then no food. No food. Nothing unclean. But it's the same in the church today. Like pastors and elders. You see what Paul writes to Timothy and Titus? Young pastors who were groomed for being leaders. Look at Timothy when he was joined to Paul, when he, he himself was cleaved and twined with Paul. And groomed for leadership, church leadership. And what Paul says to him about don't choosing a no, don't, don't choose a novice or the selection of elders. There has to be order in the home. You see? The Old Testament is exactly the same. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. These holy things of the Lord. In verse 12, all the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine and the grain. Now, does this ring a bell? Remember our study in Leviticus? Oil, new wine, and the grain. You see, how beautiful is this? As a shadow of the things to come. The grain being the word of God and the word became flesh. New wine. How many times do we discuss new wine in our studies? The oil. How many times do we discuss oil? A shadow of the things to come. You see? Their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord. It's always to God. It's always to the Lord. Understand? So the people of Israel, they give to the Lord. 
and then the Lord gives to the priesthood. You see, it's not the people giving to the priests, which in corruption, it happens. And we're going to see it happen. Just like you see like corruption today in the church. People tithe and offer and they say, here, pastor, this is for you here. Elder, this is for you here. This is for you. And it's fine to, I mean, it, the, the motives, you know, check your motives. You know, to, to, to bless a pastor, to bless an elder, that's beautiful. You know, but, you know, at the same time, it, it, it's much better to make sure that your offerings, your tithes are given to the Lord. And then, you know, because your heart is right with the Lord. I mean, you might have the best of intentions in giving to a pastor, the best of intentions and motives to give, to bless an elder, the best of intentions. But even the best of intentions can be easily corrupted. You see, because there's two in the transaction. There's you, and then there's you as the giver, and then there's the person as the recipient. You know, the pastor as the recipient, the elder as the recipient. But when you give to the Lord, when you give, to, it's just you and the Lord. You know, rather than having two people as part of the equation, just have one person as part of the equation. That's you, your heart. You give to the Lord. You see? And then what happens after that point? It's not on you. If a pastor wants to be stupid, if a pastor wants to buy his private jet with those funds, if a private, if a pastor wants to buy his, you know, uh, house on the beach with those funds and, you know, the Pacific Palisades with those funds, no, that's on him. That's between him and God. But between you and God, you're you're good to go. You're right. Now, I would question too, like, you know, maybe you shouldn't go to that. If you have a pastor that has his private jet, don't go to that church. You have to be wise. You have to be a Berean. You see? But in the beginning, at this inception, how beautiful is it to see these things? At the inception, we see these things and it's like, wow. The people are going to be right with the Lord. And there was judgment. There was wrath that came on the camp of Israel. But God is saying here, like in verse 5, that there be no more wrath on the children of Israel. And in order for that to happen, Aaron, you have to teach. You can't be a man pleaser. And in doing that, in working in that capacity, I'm going to take these people. I'm going to join them with you. I'm going to cleave them unto you. I'm going to intertwine them unto you. I'm going to make them united with you. And they're going to work in, you guys are going to work as the Abodah, Abodah Mishkan. All about my business, Aaron. And being all about my business, Aaron, I'm also going to provide for you. Provide for you helpers in the tabernacle and provide for you food for your family, for your sons, and then your daughters too. All the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine and the grain. You see? Their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord. So the people offer to the Lord. And in that offering, the Lord takes care of them. The Lord takes care of Aaron and the Levites. The Kohanim and the Levitical priesthood. He says in verse 12, Their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. You see, God is providing. God is providing. So, like when you give to the Lord, you make your tithes and offerings unto the Lord. It's unto the Lord. It is holy. It is unto the Lord, sacrificially unto the Lord. He's blessed you with a job. He's blessed you with finances. He's blessed you with the ability to have a job, the ability to, to work in a job capacity, to work with your mind, your brain, whatever. And He's blessed you. And you work as unto the Lord. And then, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, 
you give unto the Lord. Here, Lord, this is for you. It's your sacrifice. A lot of times what people do is they give where there is no sacrifice. Zero sacrifice and they give to the Lord. That's not good to do. It's like, you know, they win, you know, $1,000 playing the lottery. They win $1,000 playing the lottery and they say, okay, I'm going to give you, Lord, 10%. And they give 10%. There's no sacrifice. Zero sacrifice. You see, or they get their, you know, their subsidies or they get whatever. They say, okay, Lord, this is for you. But there's no sacrifice. You see, just like the woman with her two mites. All these people gave their money. They got big money bags. Boom, this is for the Lord. And the Lord is talking with the disciples. And then they see the little plink, plink. The lady with her plink, plink. Two mites. What is, who gave the most here? Looking at the guys with their big money bags, you know, here, this is for this is for the synagogue, you know, making their offerings unto the Lord. And then you have the lady in line, little old lady in line, you know, little plink, plink. And the Lord says she gave the most. You see? Because the Lord's ways are not our ways. The Lord's ways are not our ways. People, you know, they'll pray and they'll fast before they go to, you know, play the slots. Before they go to the uh, casino. They'll pray and they'll fast. They'll say, Lord, you know, just, you know, bless me when I go play the slots. Bless me when I go to the casino. Bless me. It's like, what is it? You're asking for blessings when, you know, that's not even a lifestyle that is pleasing to the Lord. You know, or they'll be selling drugs and they'll, they'll tie the dirty money. It's dirty money. Remember, nothing mangy in the law. Nothing mangy. Nothing dirty. Don't take the first fruits of, like, you know, a, a, a dirty lamb and say, okay, you know, I got these good lambs and I don't want to give that to the Lord. I'm just, this mangy lamb, I was going to kill him anyways. So here, I'm going to give this to the Lord. No, 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 no. Nothing dirty unto the Lord. The first fruits. Oh, but I could sell this lamb and make so much money. Give it to the Lord. It's for him. Look at what he's done. Are you breathing? Look at what he's done for you. What do you mean, what has he done for me? You're breathing, right? You see? Your heart is beating, right? Your blood is flowing, right? I can go on. Those are just those are just the basics. Your heart is beating. You're breathing. Look at what he's done for you. Oh, I won $1,000 playing the slots. Now I'm going to give to the Lord, but I'm only giving 10%. Where's the sacrifice? You didn't sacrifice anything. This is the things that happens in the church. Among Christians, no sacrifice. None. You see, and I, I, I'm, I'm just teaching. You know, this is what this. this I'm not asking for anything. You'll very rarely, but you have to understand these things. We have to understand these things. Pastors who are the most beautiful, beautiful, godly men. 
the most beautiful godly men. And they're broke. You see, and then you have these other pastors with their Rolls Royces, their private jets, because they're fleecing the flock, they're hirelings. Then you have the underground church, they don't have funds, they, they, they make do with what they have. But then you have these silent funders They'll work and work and work tirelessly. And they send their money to the underground church. They send it to the Lord. It's given to the Lord. But then these efforts. Send Bibles. Send Bibles. Give money to the pastors. So they can go out. These underground churches, they're out in the boonies, in the jungles, in the deserts. The underground churches... They give their Bibles, and with their Bibles, there's some food, some money for food. So the local people go out and buy their fish, go out and buy their fruits. You see, the Lord sees all of it, all of it. He sees, He knows, He sees. And it is so beautiful to see the obedience of the saints in giving. The obedience of the saints in receiving. You see, one body, many parts. And so look what happens here. In verse 13, whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Everyone who is pure in your house. So, you know, shameful things. It's like, okay, you're dirty, you're not eating. You're filthy, you're not eating. You see, no provisions. It's like there's provisions, but if you want to be impure, if you want to be dirty, okay, not for you. Remember, this responsibility is now in the priesthood. It's a heavy, heavy responsibility, but they've grown. They've seen these. They've seen the wrath of God. And the Lord is saying, okay, Aaron, okay, Kohanim, okay, Levites. Aaron, I'm cleaving these people unto you. Intertwining these people unto you. Joining these people unto you. Uniting these people unto you. And you got a job to do. This is what you're going to do. And this is what you're going to do. That the wrath, that my wrath is not going to come on the people anymore. And I'm going to provide. This is for you. You see, where God guides, God provides. In verse 14, every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything given to God is how it translates. But it's given to God in consecration shall be yours. Now, this is beautiful at this inception. It's beautiful because you see that God is providing. But then at the same time, it's easy to understand how corruption can enter the minds of these people. Not here, but down the road. Because these devoted things, these things that are given to the Lord, it included such items such as things devoted to the Lord, like a devoted house, a devoted field, devoted flocks. These are things that were devoted unto the Lord. So like, say you're a rich guy. Say you're a rich guy in the camp of Israel. Say you're a rich guy in the tribe of Dan. And you have your property. And you say, okay, you know, I'm good with this property, but this other property, I'm going to devote it to the Lord. 
and I'm going to give it to the Lord. And then you call the priesthood and you say, priesthood, you know, this is for the Lord. The Lord has blessed me and this is all for the Lord. And if whatever is portioned out to the Lord, it is written in the law. In verse 14, every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. So now it becomes the priests. The house becomes the priests. The flock portion of the flock that is devoted to the Lord becomes the it belongs to the priest. Now you see, this is carnally speaking. Now you see how the priesthood can amass assets. You see? Through corruption. Not saying that the Lord desires that. But it's easy to understand how that can happen. Through carnality, the carnal mind. The carnal mind is a dangerous thing for the saint. The carnal mind is very, very dangerous. Which, you know, the arguably the most dangerous person in your walk with the Lord is the very person you look at in the mirror. The carnality. Because you could have the best of intentions. Look at We're looking at these passages here in the law in, in Numbers 18 and it's just so beautiful. I'm so in love with this chapter. But when we get to future books, future chapters, future priests, future Kohanim, future Levites, they're going to be weeping, 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 weeping. Because you're like, what happened? It's so beautiful. Numbers 18 is so beautiful. What happened, Israel? You're going to read Jeremiah and understand why they called him the weeping prophet. Because you're going to weep with him. You're going to understand why they called him the lonely prophet. You see? And so look what happens here. <clears throat> In verse 15, everything that the field that, that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem. So you see how this is so beautiful because it's like, okay, of the firstborn shall surely be yours. Of animals, it's yours. Of the flesh, it's yours. I mean, like a... Uh, 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 like a, a, maybe a servant in their home. And I don't mean servant like, you know, like a slave class. But remember, in accordance to the law, there's provisions in the law for uh, like, like a, a temporary servant, especially when you think of uh, a jubilee. But it's like the priests, they're busy uh, here at this inception. The priests, they're busy Tending to the things of the Lord, all about the Lord's business in the tabernacle. All of the, the, the Kohanim, the Levites, they're busy making people right with God. That the people, the Israel, their sin is atoned for. That's, that's what they're tasked with doing. Now, you're going to see passages in Scripture where that happens. You're going to see other passages in Scripture where it doesn't happen. And it's their disobedience. You see, it's the disobedience of the priests, disobedience of the high priest. Look at Eli and his wicked, wicked sons. And then think of the, the wealth that they amassed. When people would give to the Lord, they say, hey, Eli, you know this, I, I, I'm loaded. The Lord has blessed me. And so here, I'm going to give this property to the Lord. It's devoted to the Lord. I'm going to give this house to the Lord. And the whole time, Eli and his sons, they're thinking, wow, look, we're amassing. The Lord is providing. Look, we've amassed all these assets. Because in the law, it's for us. You see? 
people would come with their sin that they need to be atoned for. And then the wicked sons of Eli who don't even know the Lord. It is written, they don't even know the Lord. And they're having sex with the women. They themselves are defiled. They're bringing defilement in the camp of Israel. There was no widespread revelation of the Lord in those days. The Lord was silent. The Lord was quiet. Not that he didn't want to speak. But who had ears to hear? You know who did? Little, tiny, beautiful Samuel. A young boy. You see? And his beautiful, beautiful mother. You see, Eli made fun of her. thought she was drunk. She was praying to the Lord. And foolish Eli thought she was drunk. And she's praying to the Lord. And she's praying, Lord, give me a son. And if you give me a son, you know, Lord, I will give him to you. You see, that's her interaction with the Lord. Forget Eli. That's her own personal interaction with the Lord. And the Lord blessed her and opened up her womb. I love these passages that we read in Samuel because you see, the, like she would make little clothes, like little priestly garments for her little son. Oh, I'm so in love with these people. This is our family, you guys. And so we see here in verse 15 that he says, Whether man or beast shall be yours, nevertheless the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. So, you know, I'm not going to expound on this because, you know, that's from our Exodus 13 study. We've studied this already. We've studied this already. These are things that you know because we've studied it already. And so let's move on to perfection. In verse 16, And those redeemed of the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old, uh, according to your valuation, for five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 geras. I'm also not going to expound on this. You know why? Because we study this in Leviticus 27. Let's move on to perfection. In verse 17, But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, this begs the question, well, wait a second. If they're holy, why do they have to die? You know what the answer is? The same applies to you. Everything holy dies. What do you mean? What do you mean? I don't get it. Dead to self. Dead to the flesh. Crucified with Christ. Reckon the old man dead. Reckon the old woman dead. Present your body a living sacrifice. Same exact thing. Death is nothing to be afraid of. Spiritually, it happens. Spiritually, You carry your cross. I carry my cross. We have to carry our crosses, spiritually speaking. And never forget that in carrying our crosses, the cross that we carry, it's an instrument of death. The cross that you get acclimated to, that you get accustomed to, that you fall in love with. That's the very, very instrument of your death. 
Paul says, you know, I am crucified with Christ. And whenever I read that, I make specific mention. This is Paul saying it. So many times people say, I'm crucified with Christ. Uh, Wait a second. I don't see death, my friend. I don't see death, brother. I don't see death, sister. Crucified with Christ. What's up with the drugs? Crucified with Christ. What's up with the sex? What's up with the pornography? What's up with the alcohol? I don't see crucifixion with Christ. Put that stuff down. Put down the crack pipe. Put down the drugs. Put down the alcohol. Put down the pornography. Put down the sex. Put it all down. And pick up your cross and carry your cross. Then I can see crucified with Christ. You see? And their flesh, in verse 18, shall be yours. Their flesh shall be yours. Remember, this is to Aaron. The Lord is speaking to Aaron, who is the high priest, which is a type of Christ. And so, you know, the, the, uh, the firstborn of a cow, of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. And, you know, it's like, wait a second, how come they're, they're dying? You know, it's like, well, wait a second here. It's it, 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 it sprinkle their blood on the altar so they have to die. Yes, you have to die. Spiritually speaking, when you are crucified with Christ... And their flesh shall be yours. What is it that you give to Jesus Christ? The high priest in the order of Melchizedek. What is it that you give to Christ? Your flesh. My flesh. We give to Christ. Our carnal nature. We give to Christ. You see? Just like we sing sometimes, you know, trade these, trade these ashes in for beauty. We give it to Christ. Look at how the Old Testament sings to us. In verse 18, And their flesh shall be yours, just as the wave breast and the right thigh are yours. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt. Very interesting. Where is the salt of the earth today? You see? It is a covering of salt. How beautiful is it? You know, when, when Jesus Christ was in his earthly ministry and he sang that when he was made lesser than the angels, remember we studied that from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, when he was a little lesser than the angels and he was in his earthly ministry and then, you know, he's, he's, he's teaching and saying these things. It was the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the one who supposedly knew these things of the law from the scrolls of the law. They should have heard him speak. And he said, oh, you are the salt of the earth. One of them, one of them among their bunch, one of them should have said, hmm, that sounds familiar. Hmm. I remember that in the books of Moses. And then they go home that night, study, open up the scrolls, study. Wait a second, what? Put two and two together. That should have happened. But no, in a state of corruption, they said, crucify him. You see, it is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. This is such a beautiful, beautiful verse. 
So the future corruption, you hear me talk about corruption and how it can lead to corruption, and it does lead to corruption. But this corruption should have been ended at the very remembrance of this verse, where it's the Lord who says, I am your portion and your inheritance. It's not like, you know, when the Lord says that uh, uh, in, in, uh, in verse 14, every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. It's not to amass wealth. It's not to amass assets. Okay, I have a property over here, property over here, property over here, and a house over here, house over here. It's not for the, uh, the amassing of assets because the Lord says, I am your portion and your inheritance. So this corruption that happens in the camp of Israel among the priests, among the, 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 the Kohanim, it should have been ended with this very verse, the remembrance of this verse. You see? And, you know, it's, it's sad when we see that it doesn't happen. It's sad when we see that it doesn't happen in accordance with a new covenant. But it's also beautiful when it doesn't happen with you. Because you remember. And you bind these things on your heart. You bind these things to your mind. Remember, in the Word of God is found wisdom. And wisdom cries out from the rooftop. Never forget. It's for everybody. Wisdom. But not everybody has ears to hear. In verse 21, Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes of Israel as an inheritance. So the Levites, they have an inheritance. The Kohanim, the Lord says, I am your inheritance. You see? That's why Paul, when Paul tells the church that the teachers, the ministers, can take of their offerings, of the offerings of the church. Not take, but receive of the offerings of the church because it's biblical for, for the pastors to be funded through their offerings. But Paul denies it. Paul says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make tents. I wonder, I wonder if Paul thought of himself as Kohanim. I mean, it is not written, but I wouldn't be surprised. If Paul thought of himself as Kohanim, where the Levites, they can have an inheritance. Just like in verse 21, behold, I have given the children of Levi of all the, all the, all the, all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance. So I wonder, this just is me personally. This, I, I can corroborate this anywhere, but me, I wonder if Paul, rather than thinking of himself as, you know, as a Pharisee of Pharisees, but learned in the, in, in, in uh, um, uh, the instruction of Gamaliel, a Pharisee of Pharisees, rather than Paul seeing himself as a type of Levite in accordance to the New Covenant, I wonder if he rather saw himself as a Kohanim. Not to exalt himself, but where his portion and his inheritance was the Lord. Just like verse 20 says, I am your portion and your inheritance. That's just me personally. I wonder. I'm going to ask him one day. He says, Behold, I have given, verse 21, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes of Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting hereafter. So from now on, hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. So remember what happened in Korah's rebellion. Look at what happened in Korah's rebellion a couple weeks ago, a couple chapters ago. And remember, God is reactionary. 
So now he's saying, okay, from here, from hereafter, here, from now on, the children of Israel were the children of Israel. They would come near the tabernacle of meeting no more. No more, lest they bear sin and die. See, the Lord is reactionary. Helping, helping uh, Aaron in this ministry. Because remember that, that there be no more, in, in verse 5, that there, be, that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. And so in order for that to happen, it's like, okay, uh, Aaron, now you need, to, you need to teach this. He says in verse 5, you shall, you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there be no more wrath on the children of Israel. And that's a heavy responsibility, but the Lord is even going to help him in that responsibility because, you know, oh, by the way, in verse 22, the children of Israel, they're not going to come near the tabernacle of, meeting, uh, tabernacle of meeting lest they sin and die. And you have to tell them, Aaron. You have to tell the people. You have to enforce this, Aaron. So you see, like an Old Testament example of waters, an Old Testament example of planters, and it's God who brings the increase. It's been God's fellow workers, just like we study in Corinthians. And so we see in verse 23, but the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting and they shall bear their iniquity again. Now the Levites, it's not just responsibility for Aaron and the Kohanim. Now the Levites have their own responsibility. You see, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Now this translates in Hebrew that out of the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. So it's no inheritance from Israel. It's, it's from the Lord. So, Verse 24, for the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. You see, therefore, I have said to them among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. So it's Israel giving to the Lord and the Lord giving to the Levites. You see, it's not Israel giving to the Levites. With carnal eyes, it might look that way. I mean, if, 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 if we were on the outside looking in and we had carnal eyes, we would look in and see, okay, this you know person from the tribe of Dan is giving an offering to this Levite and the Levite is taking this and the Levite cuts this portion, sacrifices the animal. The Levite cuts this portion, gives the Kohanim and we look at that, okay, with carnal eyes and we say, okay, so this person from the tribe of Dan gave to the Levite. And the Levite, you know, gave to the Kohanim and, you know, that was a portion that they had. That's carnal eyes. But spiritual eyes, we see, no, that person from the tribe of Dan gave to the Lord. And the sacrifice was made, atonement was made, you know, the, the, the uh, burnt, whatever kind of offering it was, whether it be a burnt offering. And then a portion of that offering is here, it's, for, it's from the Lord. It, you know, the first transaction is from the tribe of Dan or whatever tribe of Israel is from Israel. To the Lord. That's transaction number one. Transaction number two is the Lord to the Levites and the Kohanim. You see? The same way it is with churches. Your offering is transaction number one. Your offering unto the Lord. You see? Your sacrifice unto the Lord. You know, people get their subsidies. Say, hey, you know, this is a subsidy and I'm giving to the Lord. There's no, there's no sacrifice there. What's the sacrifice? You see, people get you know you get their winnings from the lottery. Oh, I won a thousand dollars from the lottery. Here, I'm going to give a hundred dollars to the Lord, 
Where's the sacrifice? Remember the two mites? Transaction number one is holy. You're giving unto the Lord. It's holy. Everything we have, the, our Bible's open, my Bible is open, your Bible is open. This is holy. Your giving to the Lord is holy. That's transaction number one. That's between you and the Lord. Now, transaction number two is the Lord to the pastors, the Lord to the elders, the Lord to the, you know, to, you know, the, the various ministries. That's, you know, actually there's several transactions because you have the needs of the church. There's multiple transactions. But the first transaction, the very first one, is you unto the Lord. You see? And what uh, the treasure, the church treasure does from that point on, that's between that person and the Lord. And the Lord doesn't play around. People think, oh yeah, I get away with it. I get away with it. I can do this. I can, I can take these church funds and go buy my beach house. I can take these church funds and go buy my private jet. I can take these church funds and buy drugs. I can take these church funds and buy alcohol. I can take, take these church funds and go to the strip clubs. Woe to that man. W-O-E. Woe to such a person. Whoa. Such person has no fear of the Lord. No fear of the Lord. And then they are killed. They die. Or, you know, they're given a debased mind. They're, you know, in this life, they're given over to a debased mind. They're turned over to strong delusion. Or without repentance, they're going to suffer. They're going to die the second death. You see? And they're held to a stricter account. Brother James says, let not many be teachers. I don't get it. A lot of these people, they want, they want to vie for position. They, you know, oh, I want to be pastor. I want to be head pastor. I want to be elder. I want to be head elder. I want to be this. I want to be that. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> Have they not read? Teachers are held to a very, very strict account. But no fear of the Lord. Which... I question their belief because have they not read? And if they know, if they have read and they know, do they not fear? Do they, maybe they don't even believe because there is no fear. Maybe they just, maybe they just like the position. They like to be called pastor. Hey, pastor this, hey, pastor that, hey, pastor that. They like the accolades of men. Oh, instead of tithing to the church, why don't you just give to me? You know, I'm a little hard up. Can you give me $100? Oh, sure, pastor. The person thinks they're giving to the Lord. Are you giving to the pastor? You might have the best of intentions. But it's much better. Just give to the Lord. But give, you know, make your tithes and offering and, you know, give it unto the Lord. Don't do these little side deals to the pastor. Don't do these little side deals to the elders. Because the Lord will deal with those people. If not in this life, then definitely in the life to come. The second death. And so look what happens here. In verse... Um, 23, but the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among... 
the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. So you see, Israel gives to the Lord, and the Lord gives to the Levites. See, two transactions. Transaction number one, Israel to the Lord. Transaction number two, the Lord to the Levites. In verse 25, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites, and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes from which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. So you see, the Lord is acknowledged even among the Levites, even among the the Kohanim. The Lord is acknowledged. And the, the acknowledgement of the Levites, it's given for their tithe unto the Lord. So, pastors, elders, many of you are on the receiving, receiving end of tithes and offerings. But even of those, you still tithe. You still offer to the Lord. You see? It's complete and total acknowledgement unto the Lord. Thanking Him. Living sacrificially unto Him. In verse 27, and your heave offering shall be reckoned or be accounted and considered to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and of and, and as the fullness of the wine press. You see how beautiful this is? Because on the threshing floor is the threshing floor is how the, the, the wheat and the tares are separated. You throw the leaves on the or the, 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 the shoots, you throw them on the floor, and it was an ox who would walk on them. And then, you know, breaking open the little the little housing thing. I don't know what it's called, but the little husk or whatever. The ox rock around. Whatever's left, you know, it would, you know, they would toss it up in the in the air and the chaff would blow away. But then what remained is the seed. You see? Very beautiful because you know what's what treads on that is the ox. And I love how Paul references the teachers as the ox. A lot of times in the Old Testament, when you see the ox, it's their teachers. An, an Old Testament example of the teachers. New, new Covenant teachers. See, I'm so in love with... Uh, uh, to, to meditate on... You know, just verse 27. You know, you, the heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor as the fullness of the winepress. Just to meditate on this verse for hours upon hours and days upon days. As New Covenant believers understanding that it's the ox, you know, and we're going to study that in a couple more chapters in uh, 1 Corinthians. We're going to study that, what Paul says about the ox. And so look what happens here in verse 28. Thus, you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes which you receive from the children of Israel, and you shall give the Lord heave offerings from it to Aaron the priest. So you see God's provision. Of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord from the best of them, the consecrated part of them. Translates as the fat of them. You know, like, I like ribeye, you know, ribeye steaks. And I like that it's nice and fatty, so when you cook it, it's nice and juicy. But the same thing applies. It's the, the fat, like, obedience is better than the fat of rams. You see? That's how this translates from all the best or the fat of them, the consecrated part of them. And then in verse 30, Therefore you shall say to them, 
when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and as the produce of the wine press. So you see, this is like, you know, the, the, the produce of the wine press, the th produce of the threshing floor. You know what that is? Wheat. No tares. No tares. New wine, freshly pressed wine, new wine. You know, as New Covenant believers, this resonates with us. Because as New Covenant believers, how many times do we, we see, we understand wheat and tares. We understand new wine in new wineskins. We understand it because the Lord teaches us. So when we read these passages in the Old Testament, it's very easy for us to understand that these are a shadow of the things to come. Remember the warning label that came with our study in Leviticus? How before we started in Leviticus, we looked at New Covenant passages? Because I don't want you to be seduced into the law. But to understand that the law is fulfilled in Christ. And so in verse 31, in closing, You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is, <clears throat> it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting. This is an Old Testament example of the reward for the faithful. You have the reward for the work in the tabernacle of meeting. You see, Avodah, Avodah Mishkan comes with reward. Now, if you hear me say this, you know, Avodah, Avodah Mishkan, you're like, what in the world? Listen to our study through Leviticus. In verse 31, you may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for the work in the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall bear no sin because of it when you have lifted up the best of it. But you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. Now when he says, but you shall not profane, you shall not, uh, 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 you shall not profane, is to prostitute. It translates as prostitute. You see? You shall not prostitute or profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. You see? This is a strong, strong, strong warning for pastors. A strong, strong warning for pastors. So you see like in the very beginning how the Lord says in, 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 in chapter 18, verse 1, then the Lord said to Aaron, and then here in verse 25, then the Lord spoke to Moses. So now you see how the Lord is speaking to both Moses and Israel, Moses and, and Aaron, but at the same time is to understand that he's establishing order, order in the camp. And what a strong warning for pastors. He says, but you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. Or prostitute the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. It's a strong warning for pastors. A strong warning for hirelings. Because strong warning for the money preachers. Because the tithes and offerings that are given to the Lord, that is, that's transaction number one. The tithes and offerings that you give to the Lord, that's holy. Entirely holy. It's a sacrifice. If it's not a sacrifice, make it a sacrifice. You know, I mean, if you, if you win the lottery and you're giving like, you know, a little portion to the Lord, no, don't play the lottery anymore. Repent of that. If you're, you're giving to the Lord, but it's of zero sacrifice, that's not good. That's not the fat of rams. It, it's, I mean, I, sacrifice. The Lord desires sacrifice. 
Old Testament and New Testament, he desires sacrifice. That's transaction number one. And it is entirely holy. A holy people in service to a holy God. Now for the pastors, for the treasurer, if the treasurer of a church goes out and says, okay, here, pastor, you know, let's go get drunk tonight. Look, we got all these church funds. Look, let's go get drunk tonight. Oh, here, pastor, here's your, here's your income that you're receiving from this work as a pastor. And then the pastor goes out and buys drugs. The pastor goes out and buys prostitutes. The pastor goes out and buys their strip. They go to the strip club. The pastor goes out and buys their crack, their marijuana, their alcohol. That's transaction number two. And woe, that, woe to that man. Woe to the worthless shepherd. W-O-E, so-called shepherd. But woe to the worthless shepherd. That's profane. Just like it says in verse 32, but you shall not profane or prostitute the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. You see? That's not good when that happens. And you know what? We live in a generation today where it's happening. I mean, I say these things and you get it. I mean, 50 years ago, you'd be like, whoa, that, that, what, this, that's too hardcore. You know, that's never going to happen. But we live in a generation today where you see it. I don't even have to be descriptive because you know it's happening. Do not profane the offerings of God's people. If you're a pastor, if you're a treasurer, if you're a if you serve in church ministry and you receive funds from these offerings, do not profane the offerings of God's people because the Lord will kill you. I mean, it says here straight up, lest you die. Don't do it. People do it anyways. You know why? Because they don't fear the Lord. That's why. Don't forget that it is also written in Revelation chapter four, uh, chapter four, verse uh, uh, fourteen, verse nineteen, that the great winepress of the wrath of God is coming. As surely as He lives, it is coming. Turn with me really quick to Revelation. Uh, fourteen, Revelation fourteen. In verse 17, then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle and another angel coming out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the the great winepress of the wrath of God. You see, all these passages that we read in Numbers, we see like in, in verse 27, in Numbers 18, verse 27, your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and, have, and as the fullness of the winepress. All these things, remember the Lord says, on earth as it is in heaven. These are Old Testament examples of very, very, Spiritual things, the culmination of which does not exclude judgment and God's wrath, which is coming, which is coming. It will happen. You still be holy. 
through it all. You still be holy. You remain holy as surely as he lives. You commit your life to him and you stay holy. No matter how impure this world gets. No matter how nasty this world gets. No matter how ugly it gets. You make a choice. You purpose in your heart. I'm going to be holy. Even if it costs you your life. You be holy. And in your offerings to the Lord, you keep it holy. This holy transaction. I say a transaction, not to cheapen it, but this holy, you keep it holy, living sacrificially unto the Lord. Now, what the pastor does with it, it's going to reveal if you have a hireling for a pastor. It's going to reveal if you have a wolf for a pastor. It's going to reveal if you have uh, an antichrist shill as a pastor. Or it's going to reveal if you have a worthless shepherd for a pastor. Or it's going to reveal if you have a faithful shepherd as a pastor. And then you respond accordingly. You give and your pastor goes out and buys a private jet. And buys his house on Pacific Palisades. Spends all this money. Not even his money. Not your your money that you offer to the Lord. I mean, it's the, the Lord's money. I mean, the, your transaction to the Lord is done. I mean, if you see that happening, leave. Leave. That's not the remnant. You see, oh, but I don't, I don't like to cause division. I don't like to cause... No, they're the ones that are causing division. The Lord is the one bringing division. Because the wheat and the tares grow together until the harvest. The winepress of the wrath of God. You see? It's very important to understand the full counsel of the Word of God. Because here we are in Exodus 18, and we straight up reference passages from Revelation 14. You see, these are coming. We're going to end our study here and pick up Lord willing in chapter 19. And, you know, as we continue in our study, understand, you know, you hear me talk about the corruption that is going to happen. This, These are beautiful passages. Beautiful, beautiful passages in the law. I'm not advocating the law, but very beautiful passages. But understand that corruption comes and it will break your heart. And you're going to understand why the Lord responds how he does why he does. And through it all, you know, sometimes the response of the Lord isn't immediate because he gives room. He gives, He wants people to repent. He wants people to get right with him. But then when they don't, it's you see judgment come. In accordance with the Old Testament, you're going to see judgment come. In accordance with the New Testament, you're going to see judgment come. Remember, judgment comes on individuals. The wrath of God is revealed on individuals, Romans 1. But ultimately, it's coming again. The judgment of God, it is coming. So to the beautiful, beautiful people of the way, God bless you guys. I love you guys.